welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me via satellite from the ghost planet is Sean. Hello! Well, this week we watched an episode of a subversive animated talk show hosted by a superhero and featuring his two imprisoned adversaries. Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Yes, fantastic show. It's great, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those shows that kind of sneaks under the radar. You hear about it, and, you know, you mention it to somebody, and they have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's such a, just a cult kind of show. It's really quite funny. Yes. Now, more specifically, we watched the episode entitled Banjo. It was the sixth episode of season one, and it originally aired September 10th, 1994 on Cartoon Network. It is uh, currently, right now, the top-rated episode on IMDb. It sits at a, an 8.6 out of 10. Which I think is low for this episode. <laughs> uh, I, I remember seeing this one when I used to watch Space Ghost, which was a lot more difficult to get your hands on back when this uh, first came out, back in the 90s. Now, of course, with you know the internet and apps and things like that, it's a lot easier to watch these episodes. But back in the day, you kind of had to catch it. I don't know about you, Scott, but I, I remember just... It was like a nice little surprise when you saw it on either, you know, the TV guide or satellite, whatever you had back then. And just kind of like, oh, Space Ghost is on. But now it's it's easier to get to, obviously. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you how you first came across this show. I, I didn't get Cartoon Network in my cable package until like the early 2000s. So basically my first exposure to Space Ghost was clips shown on the uh, the E! channel on uh, Talk Soup. Yeah, yep. I love Talk Soup. I used to watch Talk Soup every morning before school. And uh, so in addition to all the stupid stuff that they aired on Ricky Lake and Jenny Jones and Jerry Springer, Richard Bay, all those shows that were on at the time, they also regularly showed these hilarious bits from Late Night with Conan O'Brien and Space Ghost Coast to Coast. You know, they considered them, hey, talk shows like all the rest. So that was perfect for me. Because obviously, you know, as a kid, I'm sleeping at night, getting ready for school the next morning. And so I, I never got to miss anything hilarious that Space Ghost said to a celebrity. And for that matter, any hilarious bits like uh, satellite channels that Conan was doing on his show. I recall seeing Space Ghost actually before the Cartoon Network days. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing it when it was on TBS. Yeah. In, in the mid-90s. I mean, when it was first out there. And if I recall, it was kind of like a... As we mentioned about uh, a few weeks ago, Salute Your Shores type of show, like on Nickelodeon, kind of first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing Space Ghost Coast to Coast. It was on weird times. It was on either very late on TBS, as I recall, or it was on, you know, at the crack of dawn on TBS. Yeah. That's kind of a filler. I remember being advertised more on TBS uh, and TNT, but I just remember seeing it at weird times. Like, I have to catch it. No, before school or, you know, I was watching TV at night or something. Yeah. It's like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, its original time slot was 11 p.m., but it also, in addition to running on Cartoon Network, like you said, it ran on TBS and it also ran on TNT. So all the Turner Networks showed it. Yes. Kind of yeah. an odd setup. Very weird. Very weird for them. Now, now, just a little background on the actual character of Space Ghost. He was a character from the Hanna-Barbera cartoon Space Ghost and Dino Boy. That ran from 1966 to 1968. And uh, did you ever see that cartoon, Sean? I have never seen the original Space Ghost uh, cartoon that Space Coast Coast to Coast is based on. Yeah, and Dino Boy. And Dino, sorry. And Dino Boy. <laughs> no, it's it, it's a weird cartoon just because 
you know, the, the characters in Space Ghost and Dino Boy had completely unrelated segments. They just happened to share billing and a half-hour time slot. Yeah. So you'd, yep. you'd get your Space Ghost story, then you get your Dino Boy story. Uh, and just a weird background of, of Space Ghost, too. How in the series, he was this crime fighter. He was like a, uh, like a, like a kind of like a police person, mm-hmm. I guess, or from the Ghost Planet. And like we mentioned, his actual enemies were the ones we see in Space Coast, Coast to Coast. Moltar, Zorak, Brack. Yeah. And they just carried him over the Space Coast, Coast to Coast and made him this comedy um, routine, which is really funny. Yeah, and I love the designs of these characters. The The design of Space Ghost and all those villains you just mentioned, they were all done by the Jack Kirby Hall of Fame member, Alex Toth. Alex Toth was an amazing artist, and because this footage from the original cartoon was used years later to create Space Ghost Coast to Coast, Alex Toth, if you notice, is credited with character design in uh, in the you know the closing credits of Coast to Coast. Yeah, yeah. The same thing would happen six years later when the creators of C Lab Twenty Twenty One would reuse Alex Toth designs for C Lab Twenty Twenty. Now, let me ask you this, Scott. I was kind of wondering this. I couldn't find any research on it. Uh, when they did Space Coast, Coast to Coast, did they actually use the original cells, do you think, from the original Space Ghost cartoon? Or did they completely redraw Space Ghost and Zorak and, and everybody? They actually used, they cut and paste, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much they just took actual clips. You know, they, they've done uh, video effects here and there, like C-Lab 2021 uh, notoriously did that, where eventually the video effects got greater and greater that towards the end it almost became its own show. Same thing here. Yeah, they definitely just reused a lot of footage. And a lot of this footage you'll see in uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, a lot of the Adult Swim shows reused a lot of this original footage. So yeah, they, they pretty much just cut and pasted wherever. I mean, that's just uh, it's amazing and a very, very genius, ingenious um, way to do that. It's just very, very funny. Yeah, probably cheap for the network too. You know, Turner... Probably had all the rights to these cartoons. Just had basically a, you know, the, the set was basically just one very little animation involved there. Mm-hmm. The TV drops down. You know, you superimpose the, the guest face on it, the video on it. And just, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. It just, I mean, very much, it's a cartoon, obviously, but a lot of adult humor, which is stupid kind of adult humor that, you know, kids will like, but also adults get a kick out of, too. Yeah, and and that kind of ties into the background here of the show. Space Ghost Coast to Coast was created by Mike Lazo. He was an executive at at Adult Swim. I believe he's still there. Uh, It was created in 1994 at the urging of Cartoon Network. They were really looking for a cartoon that was geared towards an adult audience. So, you know, hence the 11 o'clock time slot. They didn't have Adult Swim yet. That wouldn't come for another five or six years at that point. And so they kind of wanted something to compete with the late night shows and They'd put it on at 11. The uh, The name of the show originated a little earlier than that, 1993, when Cartoon Network was preparing to air a marathon of the original 1960s Space Ghost cartoon. And at that point, uh, Andy Merrill and Jay Edwards, who uh, went on to work on many Adult Swim cartoons, including this one, they came up with the addition of Coast to Coast, because it rhymed with Ghost. And that was going to be the name of this marathon, and it ended up being used for this cartoon. Yeah, it's very interesting. It, uh, it made its debut April 15th, 1994, and it ran all the way to May 31st, 2008. Its run encompassed 110 episodes over 10 seasons, along with two specials, not including two unaired pilots, and many additional commercials and interstitials 
there's been commercials, even like recently, promoting upcoming movies, or uh, I think there was even an insurance ad that ran on Adult Swim with Space Ghost. Yeah, I think I, I did remember seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, they just show up from time to time. Like, oh yeah, there he is. And it's, like I said, it's so easy to do. They can just throw it together basically with a very minimal cost. Yeah. And I'm I'm really shocked to see it ran that long. Fourteen years was amazing. Yeah. And so I have uh, some of the DVD sets, like when you know when they started to come out in the early 2000s. So I have the first three seasons on DVD, and then I believe four and five were only available through the Adult Swim store or the Turner store. And then beyond that, I don't think they made any DVDs available. Then they had like the make your own DVDs where you could pick and choose different episodes. And I think you might have been able to get later episodes then. But after the first three seasons, it, it was very hard to get your hands on some of these episodes. I'm really surprised you could get that many on DVD, honestly. That's pretty amazing. Now, we should also mention in the original 1960s cartoon, the voice of Space Ghost was done by Gary Owens. He was the announcer on Laughin, if you remember that guy. Oh, yeah. Yep. Just a, just a you know, booming announcer voice. Yeah, a unique kind of voice, yeah. But uh, for Coast to Coast and all of subsequent Space Ghost appearances, because he, uh, he showed up in other Adult Swim cartoons from time to time, those are all voiced by George Lowe. Uh, the character Brack, who you previously mentioned, he went on to have his own Adult Swim cartoon called The Brack Show, and there he was voiced by Andy Merrill, who was one of the ones that came up with the term Coast to Coast, and he also played the live-action Space Ghost that showed up from time to time. Oh, really? Okay, I know <laughs> yeah. that. The Brack Show was extremely popular. I know many people who know more about the Brack show than they do of Space Ghost. And Zorak was uh, a regular in that as well. Yes, he was, yeah. This Zorak is a little more olive color, and the the Brack Zorak is a little more cleaned up in his animation. He's a little brighter green, so they look a little different, yeah. Now, the characters of Moltar and Zorak were voiced by C. Martin Croker, uh, who... Also voiced Zorak, you know, in the Brack show as a regular character. So he was, you know, doing all this as well. In fact, him and George Lowe, I think, are credited as the only two voice actors on Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Yeah, they are. Yes. And just to timestamp this recording, C. Martin Croker unexpectedly passed away last week. And uh, as a tribute, Cartoon Network, or Adult Swim, re-aired the first episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast and made almost every episode available to watch for free on the Adult Swim app. So we figured this would be an appropriate time to cover this show. Now that we can kind of encourage everyone to go revisit the series or even watch it for the first time and really appreciate the work that C. Martin Croker did as a voice artist and an animator. Yeah, unfortunately, only 54 years old. Yeah. It's really sad. And he really had a lot, as you mentioned, to do with the Space Ghost Coast to Coast and also the spinoffs. Also, um, a big part of Aqua Teen Hunger Force also. Yeah. Uh, as an animator and also various characters. So very much involved in Adult Swim and, and the Cartoon Network. Yeah, big part of what they built. And uh, yeah, it's really sad. It, it, this had been on my list for a while for us to cover. And it's it's sad that we're covering on, on the show under these circumstances. But it's nice that right now everyone can kind of enjoy the show along with us. You know, otherwise it, that wouldn't have been the case. True, yeah. But yeah, that's that's terrible. He was such a big part of so many shows. Yeah, yeah. Great voice. Oh, yeah. I mean, this Zorak is definitely my favorite character uh, <laughs> in, in general. Space Ghost being a close second, but Zorak just cracks me up. Just the voice and his <laughs> mannerisms and his schemes, you know, to try to get out of this servitude days under. Just just cracks me up. Yeah. 
Well, we should get right into this episode of Banjo. Uh, we open on the darkened stage of Space Ghost talk show, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Uh, we see Space Ghost has like a cylindrical shaped desk. It's a real retro feel. It's really great, the design of all of this. Uh, we see the guest chair, and in the background, through the oddly shaped windows, uh, we see the heavily cratered ghost planet. I think they even explained why the ghost planet is there. I think they're even maybe tethered to it. I'm not sure exactly how that works. Oh, really? I never knew that was a ghost planet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, in the darkness, we see Space Ghost band leader Zorak. He creeps across the stage. Alarms go off and spotlights turn on, and we cut to Moltar. He's kind of this, you know, uh, creature from a lava realm in the side of this giant metal suit. He's uh, tending to his control panel from his lava lair, saying, you know, Halt! Who goes there? And Zorak replies, I, Zorak. <laughs> I can't do the voice. <laughs> That's pretty close, though. Yeah, that's pretty... Uh, I don't do it uh, justice. No, you don't do it. Yeah, but it's, it's close. It's close. It's only one person that can do that voice. That's right. And, yeah. and so uh, Moltar just turns off the security systems as, you know, sorry, man. It, Moltar is the director slash producer. Did you mention that? No, no. That, that, it's, it's very funny that they get this clip of this Moltar character using levers and looking at some sort of screen. And that footage has been reused over and over again as him <laughs> as a producer. I love the scenes, too. We'll see it a couple times in this episode, or at least once, where um, something's going on in the show. He, he kind of cut back to him, and he's talking to the guest on the screen, and this is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. D trying to do damage control most of the time. And uh, it, we get uh, a strange cut to Zorak's face. He's saying, I'm green with evil. And uh, we get a weird exchange here. This is so bizarre. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this in a show before. Oh, just what Moltar's watching on TV screen. I was trying to figure out, like, where is that from? Yeah, my uh, guess is it's something from the Turner archives. It might have run on one of those channels years ago, but, yeah, I have no idea. It's basically some sort of puppet show, right? Yeah, some kind of weird puppet, live action, full, full not even a puppet, just, like, full costume people and, and weird outfits, dog outfits, and it's just watching it. And, <laughs> but, but, really, but really, just... The, the the fact that and I'm watching it right now as we record this again I'm watching I have the uh, the subtitles on uh, above but basically we have this this interchange where they're having this normal conversation and they have captions and it's this love story that they're <laughs> just hilarious that they're talking about and and basically saying you know, Moltar I love you Zorak and it, it's hard to explain without seeing it. Like, that, that's where he says when, like you said, he says, Moltar, okay, I'm green with evil. And, and in, the, in the captions, it's Moltar, I love you. And it's really <laughs> funny. Yeah, the actual dialogue back and forth that we hear is them just casually talking about like, hey, did you get, did you get that thing in the mail yet? Huh? Mail work coming yet? Yeah. So just talking about the soap in the bottom of the screen is just this whole thing. My favorite line, I think, is Papa would never allow it. Yeah, because yeah, as they're talking, we get these subtitles, and the subtitles describe a love story between the two and about how they want to get married, and uh, Moltar's father won't allow it. and Papa. Yeah, Papa says insects are bad folk. It's it's so strange. E even by the standards of this show, it's it's strange. It's Yeah, it's like, who came up with this idea? It's just really funny. I'm wondering if they had an ending written for the show but not a beginning and the dialogue just kind of fell flat like it, the the dialogue if you listen to it it just kind of explains how Zorak got his book 
which yeah. kind of comes into play, I guess. But even then, it's like, well, maybe they, they just figured, okay, let's do something a little different. Just, just had this, like, normal conversation. Where's Space Ghost? He's bitten back. <laughs> I'm, I'm free-framing right now. No, are you kidding? I'll never marry the likes of, of Mantis. You are a filthy beast. Get ye gone. <laughs> it's a weird scene. Yeah, and that's that's where it ends, right? That, that last interchange. But yeah, it's just very bizarre. Yeah, like you said, it almost reminds you of a scene that was someone came up with, but they didn't know quite where to fit it. It's just very funny. Yeah, and th- this is the type of show where if you're watching this for the first couple of minutes, you're thinking to yourself, is this going to last the entire episode? Yeah, it's like, what is this? Because this is the type of show that would do it. You know, there, there are certain episodes that are like, oh, wow, okay, they're really committed to the bit. There's one, uh, I believe it's the very first episode, the first aired episode, maybe, where they break into Spanish subtitles. Yeah, you know, and I remember that one. Yeah. I need to go to the store for butter and cheese, and then the, <laughs> the lady in voiceover in Spanish tells you how to say it in Spanish. It's very strange. If you're watching this for the first time, definitely stick with it, because it does pay off. It might seem a little strange to begin with. It reminds me a lot, I don't know if you remember, Scott, MTV had a show for a while called Liquid Television. Oh, yes. Remember that? Yep. And that was the same kind of deal where it was a bunch of just weird, it was, first of all, it was on at, this is mid-90s we're talking about, mm-hmm. and it was on at, like, sometimes 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I used to always be up, and as a teenager watching, it's like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and it was like a half an hour block of just weird, weird cartoons. Yeah. Like, like this kind of adult cartoon, and it was just bizarre. And they had, like, I, I don't remember some of the ones they had. Eon Flux, I think. I was going to say, Eon Flux started there, yeah. And it was just, and Eon Flux, I mean, if you've ever seen the movie or whatever, it was a weird cartoon. It was weirdly drawn. It was just a weird plot to it. I mean, very creative, but just weird. Beautiful cartoon, yeah. Beautifully animated. Yeah, and it just, so this is the same kind of thing that you would think you're watching at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. But there's a lot of underlying humor to it. You just gotta s- stick with it, yeah, and get to know the characters and not take it too seriously. <laughs> That's right. It's very nonsensical, and I've read it being described as you know of the style of Dada art, which you know I believe Marcel Duchamp had a, a urinal in the center of a art gallery, and this is art. Kind of the strange vibe they're going for here. Yeah. Okay. I know you're kind of like garbage art or something, and <laughs> kind of like that, right? How not just this garbage. No, no, not just this garbage, but like having, you know, like a trash can with, you know, stuff on it. Yeah, that kind of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Or people laying around naked or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, gotcha. It's definitely art. Yes. So at the end of this scene, Moltar tells Zorak that Space Ghost is in the back with his new sea monkey kit. But of course, at the bottom, that's where we get that, you know, I will never marry the likes of Mantis, get you gone. <laughs> But uh, from here, we cut to the back, uh, where we've seen a sign posted on a hexagonally tiled wall reading, Do not enter. Experiment underway. I think they even used the look of this room this oh, yeah. for yeah. Uh, C- uh, for C-Lab 2021 at one point, too. So this is, uh, you know, something from the original cartoon. Definitely recycled, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so we cut to our first shot of Space Ghost. He's carefully reading the Sea Monkey instructions, and he's mixing the packets into the tank of water. Everything is lit in red, further emphasizing, I guess, the seriousness of this situation. Uh, we next cut to Zorak. He's reciting a, a gibberish passage from his new book. Causes his eyes to turn black and white and spiral, and we get, like, TV channel interference. And Moltar's asking you, like, what are you doing? And he, he's telling him that he's trying to take over Space Ghost's mind. 
which I guess evidently it's not that hard to do. He has a small mind, a small brain, he says, or a small mind. <laughs> yeah, and throughout the run of the show, Zorak and Moltar seem to be really the brains of the operation. Space Ghost is kind of a dummy, but he is able to keep them captive all these years. <laughs> yeah. It does balance out. Yeah. So, you know, Space Ghost, we cut back to him. He's all amazed at the all the things that the sea monkeys will be able to do, according to the booklet, like... Uh, make families, have dinner, purchase fine autos. And he even says out loud, wow. <laughs> now, did you ever have sea monkeys, Sean? I did, yes. I had sea monkeys. They're the most, the biggest ripoff as a child that you could ever get, honestly. Yeah. I remember we had, we had a few times, I don't know, my parents kept trying to raise <laughs> these things. I don't even know where I got them. I think back of a comic book or something I had an ad and I, sent away for it but they give you like a little plastic tank they're brine shrimp is what sea monkeys are yeah and you chuck them in the water and they're, they're freeze-dried so basically it, you know they're cryogenically frozen and it brings it back to life but they're like microscopic pretty much it's really hard to tell and sometimes you see them growing a little bit but especially when they show the pictures if you ever look at sea monkeys the cartoon or the uh, ads they show for these things they're like little communities. Like there's a mother sea monkey and a father sea monkey and kids and yeah, they're cartoon people. Houses. Yeah, they're cartoon people. So you think, oh, this is gonna be great. And we have these cartoon people, and it's just very disappointing. Sea monkeys. The plastic on the tank was kind of bubbled out in spots. Yes, it would help magnify it because these yeah. things were so tiny. And yeah, I had them too. And I think I got them to grow. You know, to, to what like two millimeters in length or whatever you see these yeah. weird little things swimming around and that's that's all they were and then they of course they they died because you know they, they don't last long i forget what the world record is there is a world record so yeah sea monkeys were a ripoff yeah yeah they were they used to try to sell all sorts of extra accessories for sea monkeys and, <laughs> and it's like became this big business but they very disappointing so kids out there if you're listening don't don't waste your money on sea monkeys if they even sell them anymore i know i don't know now, as Space Ghost exclaims, wow, we hear the Space Ghost Coast to Coast opening theme fade in. So just a little on the music of the show. The, this theme song is called Hit Single. It was performed by jazz guitarist Sonny Chirac, along with Eddie Horst, drummer Lance Carter, and vocalist Alfreda Gerald. She's that, whoa, at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, Eddie Horst laid down the guide track, and Chirac pretty much improvised that guitar over it. He also performed a lot of other musical pieces for the show. It's an interesting sound. It's I, I hate to even call it like noise music because you know it it's not. I don't want to put it down in that way, but it, it's really a a noisy, distorted guitar. But it's a pretty cool sound, especially of the time. It's a very '90s sounding theme. It very much matches the the entrance theme to Space Ghost and the whole surroundings and the whole decor of the stage and everything. It, it's very um, fits well together. Yeah. A lot of video effects, a very 90s feel for sure. Oh yeah, definitely, yep. Now, a Space Ghost Coast to Coast soundtrack album featuring all of the musical pieces that Chirac did for the show was released in 1994, and it was mostly a promo item for the show. It wasn't like, you know, you go to the record store and buy it. And unfortunately, he passed away not too long after the first episode aired in 1994. So, as a tribute, uh, there's an episode, I believe it's in the first season, it's just entitled Chirac which features very little show substance, I guess you could call it. it. It's very heavily broken up by long musical guitar takes from Sonny Chirac. Oh. Yeah, it's an interesting tribute, not an interesting episode to watch necessarily. You know, I've, I've watched it once, and usually when it comes on, I hate to admit it, I kind of skip past it. Yeah. 
It's mostly well, to it, listen to his, you know, great guitar work, which is amazing. It's good of them to do a tribute like that, though, you know. Oh, for sure. So next, using what he calls his NASA voice, Moltar speaks over the PA system, telling Space Ghost that he has, you know, 10 seconds to air, counts down, and uh, we see this whole sequence, the title sequence. And even this early in the series, the show's creators are really playing with convention. You know, like, instead of showing us the title sequence on our screen, we're kind of watching Moltar watch it as he's calling Space Ghost to the set. I mean, they're breaking the fourth wall there, uh, even if it is a fourth wall. I don't know what you'd call it in animation, you know, but it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, too, the way they did that. So, Space Ghost hears Moltar's countdown, says goodbye to his sea monkeys, but not before giving them one of his special super vitamins. <laughs> I love the splash. Huge plunk. Yeah, off camera. I, I love the fact how they did this. They didn't show anything yet with the sea monkeys. It's all behind. <laughs> all you see is a doorway and the, the special experiment going on. You don't see anything else besides Space Ghost's face. Yep. Really builds it up for the what's going to happen. So as the, the theme song winds down, Alfreda Gerald's vocals fading out, we see Space Ghost materialize in the center of the stage to start the show. And this is one of Space Ghost's original powers. He can... Like, almost teleport. You can fade in and fade out. I believe that's a power generated from his belt. Yeah, I always figure it was just because, you know, the whole ghost part of it, the ghost planet. Yeah. Part of his, yeah, his suit, definitely. So Space Ghost begins kind of a monologue, I guess, and he's uh, greeting the audience and telling us that the guests for today's show are rap artist Schooly D and funny man Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, which I think is... Of course, we're going to the Weird Al part in a few minutes, but I mean, just the guests were really hilarious. Bobcat Goldthwait was was a guest quite often, mm. more than a few times, I believe, which is pretty funny. But yeah, I, I I just like the fact that they get some really unusual people, different people on the show. The Ramones were on at ones I saw, yeah, and things like that. They had some really big guests. Almost everyone in control of some really great TV at the time, like Matt Groening was on there, Conan O'Brien, Joel Hodgson of MST3K. They really got some great guests, and I believe all they needed to do was, you know, record these interviews uh, pretty much anywhere, really, because it was all done via satellite. Yeah, yep. So many great episodes. So, uh, Space Ghost introduces the band of the show, which is led by Zorak. They're officially known as the Original Way Out. Huh, I never knew that. Yeah. And instead of playing music this time, Zorak kind of stares with his spiraled eyes in an attempt to take over Space Ghost's mind. It, it fails to work. Space Ghost is just like, what's wrong with your eyes? And then after realizing what Zorak was trying to do, he kindly tells him, oh, if you want to take over my mind, you gotta spin your eyes counterclockwise. And he even <laughs> demonstrates somehow making his own eyes do this. <laughs> yeah, with the same kind of effects, too. It's really <laughs> funny. Oh, we should mention, too, Zorak is kind of like... Uh, on the side of the stage, inside of a keyboard, it almost reminds me, you know, Max Rebo from uh, Return of the Jedi? Yes, very much so. He's like the, uh, what's the band leader for Dave Lennerman? Oh, like Paul, he's, yeah, he's the Paul Schaefer of He's of the Paul Schaefer, but he's very much, you know, like just always in this, he's not very moving around except for this, you know, once in a while, but he's just in, in this round, his own desk with a piano around it. It's really funny. Yeah. So moving on now, Space Ghost invites his first guest. Rapper Schooly D. And it's funny because years later, Schooly D would collaborate with two of the Space Ghost Coast to Coast writers, Dave Willis and Matt Malero, on the theme song and additional dialogue for the show Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh, okay. No, Schooly D. Yeah, he's the rapper for, for that theme song. He's a, he's a rapper out of Philadelphia, made his self titled debut in 1985. He's credited by some to be the first gangster rapper, 
Uh, even Ice-T, who some claim created gangster rap, is one of the people giving Schooly D this distinction. Huh. So you haven't heard of Schooly D for a while. At least I haven't. Yeah. I'm not really into gangster rap, but I mean, I always kind of knew who he was. Now, talking about, you mentioned him in the Ghost Scott, and just this, this genre, and I've seen it happen um, numerous times, or numerous artists and comedians do it, where basically, and this is the same way it is in, in Space Ghost, for many of the interviews, not all, but were they obviously recording, you know, Schooly D, they probably asked him normal questions, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 30 normal questions, and just after the fact, they could just manipulate it however they want to manipulate it and put their own questions to his answers that he gave the original questions so it was probably just like a normal very normal interview when they initially did it and then they just cut it up and put whatever they want i I love that genre of comedy Mm. and we'll talk more about that in a few minutes i haven't experienced that actually but it just cracks me up because you have to kind of wonder the people who, you know, do these interviews, like Schooly D, was he offended at all? Probably not. I mean, about some of the, the answers that may, might have made him look foolish. I don't know, but it's just really, it just cracks me up. Yeah, you could definitely tell some were genuine questions that they kept the, uh, you know, they, they did ask him and they kept the answers to. Like, Space Ghost will ask his guests, you know, what kind of superpowers they have. Yes. You know, yeah. sometimes you'll hear them directly reference the previous question. So you know that wasn't messed with. But yeah, there's some other things where it's like, yeah, I don't think they said that to him. That was put in afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I got to imagine he wasn't that offended considering he was a, a big part of the network going forward recording all of those great songs for Aqua Teen Hunger Force and even doing some early dialogue in the first, uh, at least the first season, you know, between scenes and stuff. Which on a side note, I should mention Aqua Teen Hunger Force, technically a spinoff of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Because really? those characters appeared in an unused script. There was a uh, an episode entitled Baffler Meal that was really never made until after Aqua Teen Hunger Force came out. It's kind of confusing, but for that whole story, please see our strange Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode in our archives. Yes. Sean could not make it, and unfortunately, I, yes. I had to get uh, Morgan Freeman to join us for that episode. It was very strange. Yeah, fortunately he was available. He's a very busy actor, <laughs> yes. but you know. Maybe I'll pull them out and get one out of them. Now, we should mention, too, now, with any celebrity guest on Space Coast Coast to Coast, the guest is always joining the set remotely. I don't think anyone ever showed up there. And they're conversing through a monitor that is just kind of lowered over the guest chair. It's a great look. Yeah, very again, very futuristic, very uh, vintage, retro kind of kind of look. The Jetsons kind of look, I like to think of it as. Yeah, fu- retro future look, definitely. And it's kind of something you almost saw years later, you know, Conan O'Brien would regularly do bits with a monitor next to him. You know, it's something, it's a, it's a late night thing. You would see it on talk shows. Yes. Yeah, I love the, just the opening question. Space Ghost begins talking about Schooly D's ball cap, which they're all fascinated by. Say, where'd you get that ball cap, son? <laughs> he says, I got it from the planet Zerf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, a lot of these celebrity guests played along they they knew they were on space ghost so they they knew they could say whatever yeah yeah so as this interview is going on zorak's trying to take over space ghost's mind again now he's spinning his eyes the right way now things get a little blurry we get a little white noise the mind control is actually taking effect space ghost's eyes turn to tv snow that's tinted red <laughs> and so now zorak's like say something stupid 
And uh, Space Ghost points and says, You want to watch me swallow a live mollusk? See, that's one of those answers I think that was just a, a normal question where he says, Ah, oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they really asked him that. And then he snaps out of it. He's like, uh, I mean, tell me about your slacks. Tuck his baggy jeans. He yeah. goes into the baggy jeans thing. Yeah, you got to get them three sizes bigger so they can hang off your butt or something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Space Coast is like really going off the rails talking about yard gnomes and frolicking in a leafy glade. And uh, Space Coast is just laughing maniacally. We, cu- we cut to Schooly D. He's kind of just looking around confused. I wonder if they are just playing some weird things for him to react to, you know? Or they just, you know, my thought was they just kind of had him sit there for a few minutes before the interview began, or after, or, you know, just had him like, oh, yeah, we're going to come back in a minute, and this taped what he normally did, like his reactions, like looking around. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of what I envision happening. Yeah, definitely, that that makes sense, too. And so, yeah, he's Space Ghost is saying, like, my mantis is dashing in a tux. Can you pass me one of those wall decorations? My, they look lovely. He's heaving and going into convulsions. And Schooly D is laughing, and Zorak gives Space Ghost the spiral eyes again. This time, Space Ghost is wise to it, and he does what he does in many, many episodes. He zaps Zorak with a blast from his power bands. That's another one of Space Ghost's powers from the show and the comics, you know, where he has uh, power bands with buttons on the top, and he can tap them with the other hand, and it fires this beam of energy. Yeah. And so, you know, of course, it blows up Zorak in comedic fashion, cartoon fashion, where he's just charred and smoldering at the end. What does he even say? It, like, smells like chicken in here? And Schooly it, D's smells like, like, it smells like chicken in here. Schooly D's, like, cracking up. I don't know if, you know, that's what he's reacting to, but he's cracking up and losing it. That was a funny line. Now, he asks if Schooly D has any powers. Schooly D says he doesn't have any, can't demonstrate them. Uh, he's, so, Space Ghost is like, so the D stands for defenseless. <laughs> That's that's one of the big themes of the show too, where Space Ghost kind of thinks everyone is is a superhero. Mm. That he's interviewing, especially in the beginning episodes, where he's just you know asking about their superpowers. I think we might mention this before, but it's just funny to hear him. You know, just assume that everyone is like him. And oh, and by the way, we should mention too, Space Ghost's real name, his alter ego, mm. Tad Ghostel. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they make fun of his name, I think, in an episode. They do. I, I've never seen the episode, yeah. That's not his name originally. I think it's just a, an invention for this show. Yeah, yeah. Tad. <laughs> so this leads into a whole line of discussion about flowers. Space Ghost asks Ghoulie D to, to sing something about flowers. And, uh, yeah, he says, yeah, if I do that, I'm going to lose some of my powers. And, <laughs> and he was like, well, if you're powerless, that's why you need me in your posy. And you hear a Zorak off camera, posse. That was me up. And uh, Space Ghost asks for a rap name. Schooly D dubs him DJ Space G, which Space Ghost says fly. But then, of course, we find out there was actually a fly in the studio. And he swats at it. (laughs) That was the fly he was exclaiming about. And so, for some reason, his thoughts next turn to sea monkeys. He excuses himself and he flies out of the studio. And we see Schooly D is just like, all right, that's cool. (laughs) Sitting there. So from here, we cut back to the high-security laboratory. We hear the sound of a baby crying, and Space Ghost names his new sea monkey Banjo. And while holding the tiny Banjo in his hand, we don't see it, we just see the back of his hand, Space Ghost next prophesies with a booming echo, You are mighty small, little Banjo, and your flippers are tired, but one day you'll become Banjo, king of the sea monkeys. (laughs) Crazy. 
banjo. <laughs> so me- meanwhile, while this is going on, Moltar is actually being a responsible producer of the show. He's trying to hold everything together. He's in his lava lair talking to Schooly D over the monitor. He tells him, yeah, Space Ghost is tending to his brine shrimp. Asks if he can wait. And Schooly's just lost. So I don't know what... <laughs> they may have just straight up told him that line because he has no idea what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Ask him if he can wait. He's like, no, nah, I, I can't, man. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, they are villains. Th- those evil qualities do come out as Zorak and Moltar next ask Schooly D if they can break his legs. Yeah. <laughs> And Zorak, break him, break him. <laughs> <laughs> And so next, after Space Ghost returns, we get this friendly disagreement that breaks out. Schoolie's saying, you know, you the man. And Space Ghost kept saying, you are the man. Yeah, you the man. You are the man. And Zorak tries to join in. Space Ghost corrects him. No, you're the mantis. Schoolie's the man. He <laughs> just ends it by saying, you are the man, Schoolie. Live with it. And we're out of time. And before he lets Schooly go, he asks for some words to live by, and so with violin music playing in the background, Schooly D says, No matter how hard it seems, you gotta keep going and you gotta keep trying, because as soon as you give up, the game is over with. And these words are meant with completely blank stares by Space Ghost, Zorak, and Moltar, who are, we find out, just looking at his hat. They are fascinated by this hat, and they're asking him why he's wearing it backwards. <laughs> And so it, this whole segment ends with Zorak going, your hat's on backwards. And Space Ghost is like, sure is. <laughs> uh, and so from here we cut to TV Snow along with the words interrupt feed. Uh, this is really to give the idea that this show is being broadcast to us from space. You know, and if they cut to commercial, they have to interrupt the feed. And uh, so at the bottom, we're given various coordinates and measurements for azimuth, orbit. Zenith. RCA, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a little gag that Zenith is RCA. Like, two, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, v- VCR manufacturers of the time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So as we get white noise, we hear Zorak say, We shall return with a vengeance as we cut to commercial. So at this point, the show goes into a commercial break, so why don't we take this opportunity to take a break ourselves? We'll pay some bills and we'll be right back. You got 15 seconds. Hey, uh, uh, Zipperoni here. Uh, I'm sorry about what happened last week. Uh, I, I just hope it doesn't take away from the great taste of Zippy's Tropical Punch. Uh, to the kids, real sorry about punching your dad. Uh, I hear he's doing pretty good, making progress. Uh, Alright, that's uh, it. A- anybody here want, want a Zippy Tropical Punch? You've been warned. <laughs> hey, Stay down. Uh, hey. Stay down. Hey, uh, hey, knock it off. Hey. And we're back. Yeah, paying these bills is tough work, Scott. Got so many of them to keep this show running. So many got writers cramp. So many great sponsors. Yeah, so many great sponsors. I gotta pay so many people. It's amazing. So yeah, we get a commercial break in the middle of this. Well, it's not an Adult Swim show yet, but it's got that format. They're, these are short cartoons, and it's weird. I forgot that they took a commercial break in the middle. Usually, nowadays, if you see, you know, Robot Chicken or Aqua Teen Hunger Force, they would have commercial breaks before and after. But at this time, they took a commercial break right in the middle of that 15-minute time slot. Really kind of strange. Unique. Yeah, definitely unique. So when we return, we open back on that snowy feed, which now says Start Feed at the top. And Zorak welcomes the viewers, saying, Ready or not, here we come. 
So from here, we once again get a view of the door of Space Ghost's sea monkey room as we hear him react in surprise to how much Banjo has grown. And we get our first look at him here. We briefly see Banjo <laughs> scurry across the floor. He's you know, just past the door. I'd say, what, he's the size of a small dog now? Yeah, yeah, it's going back and forth. The thing that cracks me up is um, when Space Ghost starts singing, the oh, Banjo, Banjo, <laughs> faster, which is the theme song to um, Flipper. Yes. <laughs> That that cracked me right up when he said that. <laughs> As you see this this like monster go across the screen, so I'm guessing it was probably a, you know again a space ghost character one of the episodes. Yeah, it's a monster from an episode of that original series. Uh, right now he's about the size, like I said, of a small dog. Basically, he's a ferocious green seahorse with an orange mane and twenty legs. <laughs> it's a hideous thing. No, looks nothing like a brine shrimp, but no, nothing like a sea monkey. We can tell right away, though, he's not well-behaved, because off-camera, we kind of hear him bite Space Ghost's hand. Jump. and Yeah, look at that cartoon. And he also leaves some sort of mess that Space Ghost refuses to clean up. <laughs> Bad banjo, I'm not cleaning that up. <laughs> so, from here, we cut back to the stage. Space Ghost now materializes behind his desk, and he welcomes his next guest, Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, Weird Al is, I, I think I could speak for Scott, one of... Our favorites. Yes. If you've never heard Weird Al before, you need to stop playing this right now and listen to one of his albums or look up Weird Al. He is absolutely hilarious and just extremely, extremely creative. And just to give a, a brief background, because we could do three shows on Weird Al stuff. Oh, yes. Alone. He started back in the early 80s, late 70s from a Dr. Demento show, which is like a, a kind of like a prank call type show, radio show. Just making these parodies of popular songs at the time, going through the mid early 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and just so, so well done. I mean, some of these parodies are just amazing. All of them are amazing, but the, I mean, the voices he gets, he, he's, a, he's talented with, you know, recreating the song, but putting his own words in, and there, there are just hundreds and hundreds of them. Numerous albums. I mean, he's probably had... 15, 20 albums at this point. It's got a lot, yeah. Rich discography. Yes, and I mean, just... Uh, f f and he basically spoofs and parodies everyone. Or tries to, at least. Yeah. And they're not in bad taste or anything. They're just funny. They're just really funny and well done. And even had his own TV show for a while. His own movie, which I very much recommend, called UHF. That was probably 86, 87 that came out. Very funny. A lot of big names. Michael Richards is in, that, is in that. A lot of people of the time. People, yeah, very much so. The guy who plays Donger in 16 Candles. I forget his name. Oh, Getty Watanabe. My, one of my favorite actors of all time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many different movies in the mid-80s. But definitely check that out. And my experience, personal experience with Weird Al, believe it or not, I actually saw him for free at a local state fair. or, or count, Not even a state fair. County fair in Connecticut. Yeah, that's amazing. I've heard you tell me that. That I can't, still can't believe that. And I, it just was, and I say county fair. It was more like a like a harvest fair, which I have every you know September, October in Connecticut. <laughs> Different towns put them on, and they're various sizes. You know, carnival rides and games and things like that. Food, but I saw it advertised he was going to be at this harvest fair, and um, for free. I mean, just you had to pay a mission, but there was no extra cost for the concert. And I'll tell you, Scott, I got there early. I sat down. 
There was, you know, a few hundred people there. It was crowded. I mean, people knew Weird Al. But it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Talk about a performer. He actually he had screens up and everything uh, on the side of the stage where he played his own animation type stuff and, you know, little video snippets. But he would change outfits for every single song he did. I mean, seriously, his wardrobe was amazing. When he did, you know, there's a song based on American Pie, which is about uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace, basically, yep. but Anakin. He was in Jedi robes for that. <laughs> and it, it was just keep on changing. Do you do and the inflatable fat suit for fat? I think so. Wow. Yeah, it, w- it was amazing. But it was just praise him again because the guy is just so talented. And one of the things I remember about that show, like I said, he did his videos, little snippets mm-hmm. between, you know, changes or before or after the show. He actually recreated this format of Space Ghost where he was interviewing people and asking them questions. And, you know, you never saw the, him and the, the person he was interviewing together. It was kind of like back and forth between him and the person. Yeah. And it was hilarious. Just like you see here. Like the person was, you know, they took actual interviews of somebody. I think like one of them was... I don't know, one of the members of some boy band at the time, you know, and just, he was just asking them these questions and, and phrasing these questions around things they would answer. And it was really hilariously funny, just like Space Ghost is doing here. But they truly had no idea that they would ever end up in this type of, you know, they weren't interviewing for Weird Al, was put that Right, way. right, yeah. He just did cut these things, and it just sound me. It sounds so inappropriate what they were saying. It was really funny. So that's my experience. I would recommend if you ever have a chance to go see Weird Al anywhere, jump on it. Yeah, for sure. Call sick from school or work and just go because it's you won't regret it by any means. Yeah, Weird Al has just been a favorite of mine just forever. You know, going back seeing Al TV where he would show you know he would have his own funny wacky show, but also show the music videos. VH1 even would show, I don't know if it was part of LTV, but they would show the original, and then they would show Weird Al's parody. So yeah. you could compare the two, and you could see some really genius takes on the, even the music videos in his music videos. You know, the, the parodies were just spot on, even visually. And just, yeah, kids would bring the cassettes to school, like, oh, I got the newest Weird Al. We'd memorize the lyrics. They'd all be written down in, inside. I loved anything that he did. It was so great. And even yeah. talking about that interview style, I was so heavily influenced by that. You know, Space Ghost did it, Weird Al did it, so many people did it around that time. When uh, I was leaving voice messages on the local Boston sports radio for a few years, that was one big thing that I did was I, I took a lot of sports press conferences. And as my characters, I would interview Bill Belichick or Tom Brady or, you know, anybody that was of the time and... I would make these bits where I would phrase my questions around their answers, try to make it sound natural. And, uh, yeah, I won a lot of uh, prizes and stuff from from our, our sports radio station in Boston. Took home a couple of trophies during my uh, my time doing that. I, I, I love this kind of stuff. It's it's what I live for creatively. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it's very – and he's a master of it. Weird Al is just really funny. Talking about – there actually is a whole DVD I, I happen to snag. I don't even know if you get any more. Um, of all, or a good many of his music videos, and they are very well done. And you, you think the guy, I mean, he does these song parodies, but he takes the time to also do videos about the song parodies. Oh, yeah. And one of them I know, remember, that cracked me up is um, actually one of the songs I think he almost got in trouble for, but it ended up being uh, okay 
was um, Amish Paradise. Yes. Which is a um, spoof of Gangster's Paradise by uh, Coolio. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I think he asked permission. He always asked permission for these songs. And there was some, like, miscommunication about that particular one. If you, you know, look him up on Wikipedia, you can see the, the exact incident. But yeah. Coolio really didn't get permission, but Al did, thought he did. And ended up being okay, but that is just a hilarious video, too. Yes. <laughs> it's just, this perfectly spoofs Gangster's Paradise, which isn't that the movie Dangerous Minds, also. Yeah. Scenes from that in the, the Coolio video with, uh, who's in that movie? Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, yes. As the, the lead character, and they just recreate that in the Amish Paradise. This is hilarious. Recreates it with Florence Henderson from the yes. Brady Bunch. Yes, as an, <laughs> as an Amish uh, matron. And, and there's also, you know, we talk about how hilarious it is. They're brilliant, too. There's a sequence where it's all being done backwards. Yes. Do you remember that? And yes. if you look at his mouth, because as a kid, I taped this on TV because I, I couldn't believe it. He's singing. He's mouthing the words. He had to do this all backwards, and they played it backwards to make it work. It's amazing. Can't imagine. It's all done in one take. Yeah, it, that was very well done. Just the whole thing in general. But there's I remember one thing in that video that cracks me up is a scene where it shows like two Amish boys in a barn, and they're they're looking at an Amish nudie magazine, <laughs> and they pull up the centerfold, and they're all excited, and it's just an Amish girl, and she you know she's smiling at the through the picture, and she has like. She's showing her ankle. Yes. She's pulling up her skirt a little bit and showing her ankle. And they're like, oh, I can't And she's a centerfold. It's really funny. <laughs> but yeah, definitely check those out. And I mean, I think some of them are on YouTube and places like that. If you could find them, they're, they're great. Yeah, or, or get that DVD. I think it might still be on Amazon. A whole bunch of his, his greatest hits anyway. Oh, yeah. And definitely all his CDs. I mean, he actually, I think it was the first time last year, two years ago, he got a number one album. Or at least in the top ten. His most recent album really did well. So let's go back to the episode here. So Weird Al uh, is being lowered on screen, and uh, Weird Al is screaming and frantically waving to the people of the universe. It's hilarious. It was woo, and so Space Ghost woos back. You know, they're just screaming at each other. This this is vintage Weird Al at this time. You know, he's got the long curly hair, he's got the big glasses, he's got the mustache. This is how he looked well into the late 90s. I want to say... The uh, the saga begins when that hit came out, the one you're talking yeah. about, about the Phantom Menace. That's, I think, the first time we saw him with shorter hair and no mustache or glasses. Yes, yeah, this is, this is definitely, when I think of Weird Al, this is why I think of Weird Al. And Weird Al says he, he can't even tell Space Ghost how excited he is to be on the show. And Space Ghost is like, oh, yes, you can. And Weird Al <laughs> says, you know, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. To which Zorak becomes very excited. You hear him off screen, tell him now, tell him. <laughs> Weird Al's going, I don't know how. And so Space Ghost asks Weird Al to talk about his new album, but Weird Al refuses, saying that, no, no, I'm only on the show because I'm a, a big fan. So I looked this up, but just on a side note, this episode aired, as we said, September 1994, which is right between the release of Weird Al's two albums, Alapalooza, that was October 1993, and Bad Hair Day, which was March 1996. So it's quite likely he had no new album to promote unless this was recorded like a year earlier. So then that might have been after Alapalooza. Yeah. Alapalooza was the one that had the Jurassic Park parody yes. cover. Jurassic Park <laughs> was his MacArthur Park parody. Uh, Bad Hair Day, which came out maybe a year and a half after this episode. That's the one 
with, with the big um, hit Amish Paradise. Amish Paradise on it, yeah. Where I think the cover is him taking his Amish hat off and he has the Coolio braids, you know? He has dread, dread, yeah, Coolio, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the one with, uh, probably my favorite one is the one with, felt like Nirvana. You know, that is the best cover, I think, of, the, of all the Weird Al covers. If you ever see the Nirvana Nevermind cover, um, which is a, an iconic cover itself, which is the baby swimming through water chasing after a dollar bill on a fishing hook. He recreates that perfectly. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> it's out, you know, nude, basically, and the water swimming just like the baby was. And he's chasing after a... A donut. A, a, a donut and a fishing <laughs> fishing line. Yeah, it's called Off the Deep End. Off the Deep End. Yeah, that's a great album. I listened to that many, many times. I wore out the tape on that one, definitely. <laughs> that came out in 1992. That was the one before Alapalooza. Yes. Yeah, that was a little bit before that. Great album. Alapalooza was great. And so was Bad Hair Day. I mean, they're all, they're all great. I, I There's not one bad Weird Al album. That's one thing I can say. Oh, Alpocalypse, I'm looking here, it came out in 2011. Mandatory Fun was the one that came out in 2014. Man, that's the one I'm thinking about. Yeah, Mandatory Fun. Yeah, but that one did very well. Very, very well. Now, back to the episode, uh, Space Ghost asks Weird Al if he has any superpowers. You know, his common question. Uh, Weird, Al's, Weird Al claims he can eat his own weight in ding-dongs. He can also <laughs> turn red traffic lights green just by staring at them. And he can do an oil painting with his butt. <laughs> And you know, this interview was just, there was no taking, all these questions were asked to him directly. Yeah. This, this is a conversation between Space Ghost and Weird Al. There was no, not knowing what Al was going to say. <laughs> he asked him, what does he think of Schooly D? And he's like, oh, he's a party animal, a nut, completely out of control, a party in a can, wacky, zany, nutty funster. He's just going on and on. Just, they're letting Weird Al say whatever he wants. Like how he calls uh, Zorak um, a locust. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> And Zorak corrects him, Mantis. Yeah, man- Mantis. Which uh, I believe it was, cor- it was, he corrected them once before, before this episode. And that was one of the few times that it's actually established that he is a Mantis. Mm-hmm. So uh, Zorak gives Weird Al the spiral eyes, takes over his mind, and commands him to do a B-flat, to which Al screams this high-pitched note. It's really, really funny. And of course, Space Ghost tries to join in. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> And he also commands him to contort his body. And Weird Al really grabs his foot and swings it up behind his head. Both feet. Both yeah. Legs. He brings the other foot up and then he gets his arms intertwined. He really becomes like a human knot. Yeah. And he asks Space Ghost for a little help. And so Space Ghost does this little mind control of his own. He turns his own eyes into spirals and he's like, ha ha ha. And immediately turns <laughs> Al normal. Al kind of just releases himself. Really, really funny. So... <laughs> For some reason, that adversity of being tied into a human knot and overcoming that adversity somehow now reminds Space Ghost of his pet sea monkey, who he describes as a pellet who became a sea monkey through his grit and sheer will. And Weird Al also adds, uh, also he shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. <laughs> <laughs> and so Space Ghost laughs as Zorak is the one that calls Banjo over, and we cut to the door of Space Ghost's Sea Monkey Laboratory to see Banjo, now giant, he's a giant 20-legged ferocious seahorse, and he's roaring and marching towards the studio. (laughs) So, walking into the middle of the set, Banjo fires an orange beam directly at Zorak (laughs) out of his mouth, almost like Godzilla, and it blows him up, and even Moltar is impressed, saying, man, that's a big shrimp. You call him a plucky little guy. <laughs> and Weird Al's like, 
gotta go now. And his feed is immediately cut from the monitor. So that was a <laughs> pretty funny exit from Weird Al. Really in no danger whatsoever, but it's like, yeah, I'm getting out of here. So things uh, really take a turn for the worse here. Uh, Banjo is growling, firing lasers from his mouth. Space Ghost is crying out, why are you doing this? I gave you life. And Banjo then zaps Zorak again. <laughs> you know, like, what have I unleashed? And he next knows what he needs to do. So as Banjo roars, Space Ghost holds out his fist saying, that's it, boy. Come get some. And he presses the button on his power band, fires an energy beam at Banjo and evidently blowing him up and... The explosion is so big, Space Ghost himself is even knocked backwards to the floor. And a moment later, we see Banjo's charred head fall down next to him. <laughs> Pretty terrible. <laughs> Why do we always hurt the ones we love? Uh, yeah. And he screams Banjo's name with his arms outstretched. And that's that pose that you see there, that's a piece from the original animation that they use quite a bit. Yeah, that, where he's just... Kind of has his, yeah. I don't even know what we would call that look, but... They use it as flex. Sometimes he'll, like, flex to, like, impress a guest, and they'll use that pose. But in this yep. case, his arms are outstretched because he's lamenting the loss of his pet, the, the pet monster Banjo. And I love the, the next scene, which is the uh, in-memory uh, <laughs> scene. Yes. September 20... Memory of Banjo, September 23rd, 11... 11- p.m. to 11.15 p.m. <laughs> he only lived 15 minutes. But this was actually September 10th, not the 23rd. So that was kind of an odd thing. I wonder if the scheduling was a little off. Yeah. Or maybe this aired on a different network that day. But as we read this tribute to Banjo, we hear somebody off camera yell, okay, that's a wrap. Break it down. Somebody get a hose. So they were just going to hose off all the Banjo <laughs> guts off the stage. <laughs> and this cuts to our closing credits, which for the show, they have the credits running down the left side of the screen with on the right side, the some views of the ghost planet with some video effects on the right. And as this is going on, we're kind of just hearing additional dialogue over it. So yeah. Space Ghost is yelling back, oh, don't you dare. And Moltar is asking Space Ghost, you're going to eat that? <laughs> He's saying, that's a sick joke, Moltar, even for you. I thought you guys were my friends. I, I have to get out of here. And so <laughs> we hear Space Ghost leave and Moltar stomp onto the set. We hear that metallic clank of his boots. And we hear some crunching with Moltar saying, mm, barbecued shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a happy ending. For Moltar, at least. Yes. Oh, it cracks me up. So from here, we finish with the Cartoon Network logo. And I believe we get Ghost Planet Industries as well. That's the precursor to William Street which you got at the end of a lot of Adult Swim shows once that was all established. And so that ends the story of Banjo's short life as well as the episode. So, Sean, what are your thoughts now upon watching this episode for the podcast? Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, you just have to see it yourself. I mean, just us describing it does not give it any kind of justice. No, no. And they're all like this. I mean, this is, like you said, the highest one of the highest rated episodes, but they're all funny. They're all just humorous in their own way. Mm -hmm. I think this one more so because it had the whole banjo storyline and, you know, it was just, just really funny. <laughs> Again, I would recommend, of course, you can get them, like Scott said, on various DVD formats, but they also have it on the free Adult Swim app. On That's where I'm watching it, actually. That's where I watched it on the uh, iPad. Yep. I'm sure online, too, you can see at the you know website or whatnot. I gotta say, though, if you get the Adult Swim app, it is the weirdest app <laughs> you, you will ever see. It's just bizarre. 
Uh, it's the best way I could describe it. It just has all sorts of weird menus, and it, it was really kind of interesting to find the episode because the episode, the, the menus are so weird to navigate through. Yes. One thing I noticed, too, the it shows the expiration date of these episodes. You know, like some, they say it's going to expire in, I don't know, a year or something, two days, mm-hmm. when they're going to take it off. Did you see the expiration date on this, on this app? No. It shows, you know, TVPG, the time, expires December 31st, 4001. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so we're good for another two thousand years. Oh great. So these are these are gonna be up for a while. I wasn't sure about that. I didn't I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. I watched these straight from the DVD. I was hoping that there would be commentary on Banjo, but unfortunately this is one of the ones that did not have commentary. Just just a great show and, and I mean, watch the Brack show also and mm-hmm. you know all the spin offs, they're all just great. And it's just starred this great again, very underrated show, I think. I've talked to a lot of people about Space Ghost Coast to Coast, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you just got to see it yourself. It's not too long of a commitment. You know, they're like 15 minutes long, so it's not like you're going to be involved in an hour show or anything. And right. Just, just for the, like you said, the art aspect of it, the way they did this, and don't expect to get any kind of informational or educational <laughs> purpose out of it, because it's not, you know. No, not at all. It is what it is. Yeah, it's a great show. I love... Space Ghost, I love the design of the character. I mentioned Alex Toth did a lot of those designs. Harvey Birdman, or just Birdman originally, he designed him as well. I even go into it on my C-Lab episode, which is in our archives. Alex Toth did an issue of X-Men. I I think it was issue number 12, the the first appearance of Juggernaut. Alex Toth was supposed to design Juggernaut, but it didn't work out. I get into it in that episode. But yeah, he was great at designing these Hanna-Barbera superheroes and characters. And Space Ghost is so iconic in his design that he's endured to uh, go on to comic book series right now. I believe he's in Future Quest, which is a DC comic right now. Huh, I didn't know that. As well as, uh, I think he was even in an episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold. A really? Few ago. Yeah, where they team up Batman with another superhero. So look, look out for that one. I think Gary Owens actually came back to voice that one. So yeah, check that out too. But this this show is great for those of you listening that aren't too familiar, but you enjoy the Adult Swim cartoons. This is where it all started. You know, they wanted to have something geared towards adults, not vulgar in any way. You know, but it's it just the adult sense of humor, and they wanted to compete with late night shows in their own silly way. And that kind of got the ball rolling to get Aqua Teen Hunger Force and Sea Lab Twenty Twenty One and the Brack Show and Harvey Birdman and. Really, they created their own late-night block of uh, very interesting and groundbreaking animation, especially short format. So, it all started here. It's going to be free to watch for millennia, so, yeah, so definitely check years, it out. So you, won't, you won't be able to miss it, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, the progress of your sea monkeys, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Now, Sean, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I will plug uh, Jonah's, my son's uh, YouTube site, which is Ender Coder, where he does Minecraft videos. Uh, also, Three Blind Mice, we do Minecraft videos there. Uh, I have a Twitter page, uh, Weasel1978, and you can see all my, my rants and uh, propaganda on that, which is quite interesting. And that's that's about it. Very nice. I'm on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I'm also on Vine. There I do flip page cartoons, little humorous animations. You can check my stuff out there. There I'm also MC and Friends. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. And also, I'm not sure if we can see the 
reviews, the five-star reviews from other country stores. So if you are overseas, if you're not in the United States and you did leave us a five-star review, send us an email. Let us know. Yes. Ni hao and bonjour. For Android users, we are also available to stream in or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app, so check us out on those platforms. Uh, if you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio app. You can set Hitting Play as a favorite, and you can stream us right over your television, right as these episodes are posted. Well, we have been Sean and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Banjo, Banjo. I can't do it.